And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello, we are back again. Seems like yesterday. Well, indeed it does. This week's show, Brigstow 5, queer and intersex in the Middle East, and Kiki with a distinct cutie pop view of International Women's Day. Uh, plus the usual news views and a few tracks. All about your, oh sorry, all on your weekly LGBT magazine show, Shout Out. Don't get too used to it, it's going to disappear this year, that. (gasps) What is it going to be replaced by? I think we should get some specially commissioned music for us. You just want the music to Daniel Craig coming out of the sea. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that was so shocking. Yes, that was so shocking. That that was my studio self destructive. Yes, that was my head hitting the desk. (laughs) (laughs) There was a shock horror moment. Trying to see Daniel Daniel Craig in seven months. Sorry, the reason I mentioned that was because, of course, if if you're not aware, um, the next James Bond film has been cancelled. Well, not cancelled, it's been postponed uh, for seven months because um, of coronavirus. COVID 19 Mm. coronavirus, yes. Anyway, some good news. I, I see, I blame. Spectre and, and Blofeld for it. You see, they, they're responsible for it, so so they delayed. I blame delayed. Ofcom for giving Gloss FM an FM frequency. Get us back on track. That yes. was very good segue there. Yes. Well done to everyone at Gloss FM, who, uh, as you hello, if you're know, listening, is uh, yeah uh, one of the partner stations that take shout out every week. They're really nice. They're based up in Thornbury. I think they originally called Thornbury Community Radio, weren't they? They were. Then they were Gloss FM, and now they're Thornbury Gloss. Get it? Gloss, as in Gloucestershire? It's very clever. Uh, Yes. Mm. But two S's, which was always a bone of contention. Yes. So they've turned. So Gloss, as in Gloss Paint. I thought it was very glamorous. Yes. You're going off on tangent now. Glammy Gloss. Sorry. Well, well done to all of them. Now, if you're interested in getting involved in Gloss FM, because they are going to be running an FM community radio service for Thornbury and District, and and, and South Gloucestershire they're holding a general meeting on the 23rd of April at the Swan Inn on Thornbury High Street okay 7.30pm okay. 23rd of April St George's Day yes and yeah. we go out on uh, Gloss FM or, uh, tonight at 9 o'clock mm-hmm. uh, being tonight is Thursday <laughs> 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 Ra- rather than Friday or Saturday when we go out on other stations yes so <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, it's, you know, we started we started on Steve Satan's show here on BCFM, an ex Caroline presenter. On on the air on Gloss FM at the moment is Bob Lawrence, another ex uh, pirate oh, radio presenter yeah. from the seventies. Yeah. <coughs> Uh, they get everywhere. Oh, that brings back memories. It's funny because, of course, it's our tenth birthday this year, so I've been Shout digging out yeah. a few of the historical things, and I did find um, some clips from our first broadcast that have survived. So, uh, how wonderful! Uh, yeah, our birthday is officially June. But we're, well, not just gay, but more than gay. So you've got to have more than a day. All it's going to be a month have, or two. All isn't queens it? have two birthdays. So, so I think we should uh, treat ourselves. Anyway, really packed <laughs> show today. So I'm going to crack straight on and uh, head across to a Brickstow. My five on Shout Out. Uh, 
Hi, this is the Brigstow podcast and I am Sean. I am the peer support coordinator for our type 2 diabetes support service and here today just to tell you a little bit about this program and also to introduce you to Mike who's one of our mentors who's going to be talk a little bit about his experience of living with type 2 diabetes and being part of this program. So hi Mike, how are you doing today? I'm lovely, thank you. I'm happy and life is good and I'm like to say that I'm really enjoying working on this project at the moment and it's something I wish was available to me when I was first diagnosed as being diabetic. I really panicked when they told me I thought that sort of the world was ending, I was going to have to be injecting myself so many times a day and it was something that filled me with dread because I, I'm scared of needles. <laughs> I think many people can relate to that. Absolutely, and it is your personal experiences that make you so valuable for a project like this because rather than just getting the advice that uh, the medical professionals give you, uh, which is the same advice for everyone who wants to be healthy, which is uh, taking care of your diet, doing more exercise, reducing drinking, giving up smoking, and these are, as I said, great advice, but actually fitting them into your everyday life can be difficult depending on what your circumstances are. Is that what you found with your mentees? Yes, very much so. It's, I'm not an expert, but I've lived with it, so I've seen what's worked for me, and I was able to put that into practice and talk to my mentees about it. I was, you know, I'm fairly educated, but I'm... I wasn't medically trained, and so I was able to l live on a personal level with my, my mentee and tell them about what I've done. They could ask me questions, I could relate to them. I didn't want them to think that they've got to give up everything, because you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And things have changed from, even when I first started, I, I was told, well, I first thought, you know, my doctor told me, you've got to give up all these things. Mm -hmm. Not that I had a bad life, I don't think, but it's just give up everything and live like a monk. <laughs> Nobody really wants to have to live like that. Yeah. And that is, again, what makes you so valuable to this service. Uh, obviously, it's your personal experience, but also the way that your mentoring works. So you meet somebody in a cafe for an hour a week, uh, for up to three months and um, what you're able to provide which maybe medical professionals haven't been able to is time because uh, you might get 10-15 minutes with a medical professional whereas you get that time to spend an hour a week really listening to an individual situation and then helping them to fit the advice they're given into their specific situation. How have you found that? Most people who know me will be surprised because I, I say the most valuable thing as a mentor is be able to listen mm. to the person because I like chatting. But you listen and they've got a chance to unload for up to an hour, sometimes more. And you're just listening and you're understanding because you're, you're where, they, where they're going to be. Mm. You've been there and you can just relate your experiences. But a lot of the time they they just want to offload and say this 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 and this and you're understanding you can understand you know it's not from a textbook it's from everyday life so I can just relate to that absolutely and so for other people who are coming on board what do you think that they need to have if they think that mentoring might be something they want to do for others no one specific thing except to have type 2 diabetes I suppose mm -hmm. <laughs> and just a willingness to try and help somebody else I think um, 
I, I saw a program about diabetes and how much it's a drain on the NHS budget and if anything we can do to help that so that money isn't spent on amputations and things like that, the most extreme, I think it's wonderful. Absolutely. So if you are interested in potentially taking part in this project and you are living with type 2 diabetes in Bristol, then you can get in touch with me, Sean, at Brigstow. You can find out more information at www.diabetes.org.uk slash diabetes or you can call me on 0117-955-038. I'll speak to Sean and I can answer any questions that you might have. Mike, thank you so much That's for okay. being involved. And if they want to talk to a mentor, I could be there. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> take advantage of that. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, a nice bit of a bombs there. Now that Viva. Yes. Mm. And they performed naked. Yeah. Well. Wow. Not, not them. That's what How did the cello player, because she is, she is gorgeous, the cello player. I didn't player. see it. And so we were talking I mean, off air. It's you, a, you know you, you play a cello. If, you, if you're not aware of who Bond are, they're, 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 uh, um, they're all female. Um, Spanish. Are they Spanish, aren't mm. they? And, and they're all, all musicians. And they, they were really heralded as bringing back um, uh, classical music because this, this is basically what they do. They take classical songs and they kind of give them a bit of a remix, but they play them live on the cello and the violin and the like. But it's electronic but, instruments, yeah. isn't it, that look oh, really like space cello, yeah. But yeah. Every, everybody, everybody who's in that kind of like classical music scenes want of a better phrase um, really thought it was brilliant because they were bringing classical music back to the millions and then they did some some show naked and kind of got thrown out of it a little bit so, oh, which wow. is a real shame because they're really good So, but I believe they're still really really successful bummer mm. still <laughs> um, you just loved it what pop sure. st- I wonder what pop stars we think should do shows naked uh, probably oh, none oh here um, we go well, I'm just just throwing it out. I can think of this several. Is delving into the depths of Terry's mind here, live on it. Don't go there. Don't go there. So, <laughs> now um, we, we've had a little bit of a shuffle around, haven't we? Um, is this in celebration of International Women's Day, or is it just because you felt like reading the news? Um, I thought about trying myself out to see how, if I could read. So if she goes wrong, <laughs> if she goes wrong, it's because she's got the wrong glasses on. So but I'm on. I'm on the third primer now. Ooh. On the third yeah. primer. Yeah. The, the that book mean? at school. Oh, right. Oh, okay. In the infants and juniors or whatever first I had, second. Um, I think it's all grades now. I was at school, Andy. I had no idea what you're talking did, about. Did I you have either. Biff and Chip, Andy? Biff and Chip? Yeah. No. Wow, we've got like four generations of books here, I reckon. Did anyone do Tricolore? No. Yes. French? Yes, no. I did yeah? Tricolore. That was, the fr- that was the French course. Mm. One of my friends went to La Rochelle and spent the evening looking for Marie Claire in the <laughs> lingerie before realising she doesn't flip <laughs> exist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hey, Terry, we've got to read the news. Uh, then, be all serious. How's that going to work? <laughs> this is.
is Shout Out News on Thursday the 5th of March. It's International Women's Day on Sunday. Many events will be taking place across the region to which Shout Out broadcasts. And if you're listening on podcasts, then there are many more initiatives across the world. During the research for this newscast, we were struck by the fact that there are still, even in modern Britain, men are so angry at women that they felt the need to blog and rant on the internet in the popular press about Women's Day. Even though, it should be noted, there is also a UN-recognised day for men and boys. November the 17th. The need for International Women's Day seems just as relevant today as it was when first celebrated the beginning of the last century. Events in Bristol are listed in the free newspaper, Bristol 247, which is available across the greater Bristol area. For global listings, visit International Women's Day, all one word, dot com. It is an indication of how the mainstream struggle for genuine equality is that multi-platform giant Amazon and cosmetics global Avon are both sponsoring Women's Day this year. For more radical action, there is also Global Women's Day Strike, co-founded in London in the 1970s and backed by a wide variety of progressive organisations, including the English Collective of Prostitutes, Liverpool Sisterhood, Action for Trans Health and the Anarchist Federation. Their web postal is at womenstrike.org.uk. Now, as we reported last week, there was a major climate change rally in the city of Bristol on Friday the 28th of February, which was addressed by a number of speakers, including international youth activist Greta Thunberg. Ms Thunberg attracted an audience of around 30,000 people, according to some estimates. This sadly had the effect of trampling up the mud on the College Green venue, but the organisers of the rally have started a crowdfunder campaign to arrange for the reseeding of the grass on this historic political meeting place, host to innumerable rallies over the years, including on one occasion, Pride. Many rainbow flags were photographed in the large crowd hearing the speeches, both of the peace variety and the more familiar six-striped LGBTQ rainbow design. Although it would be fair to say that LGBTQ people have a wide variety of opinions on climate change, statistics do suggest that members of our community are more likely to take seriously issues of the environment, recycling and associated concerns. If you want to hear what Greta Thunberg had to say, then you can find highlights of her speech at the website of the previously mentioned local newspaper B247, which, it must be said, gave somewhat more comprehensive coverage to the rally than the more conservative Bristol Post. On Monday, the Love and Science programme on the community radio station BCFM dedicated much airtime to the science of climate change and featured speeches from the rally. The show played out with Labby Sifra's classic gay rights and anti-racist anthem Something Inside So Strong, which they dedicated to the young people making a difference in the world. The April editions of the three national LGBTQ magazines, that is Attitude, Gay Times and Diva, are all out now and you can pick them up at larger news agents, radical bookstores or even via mail order. All the three magazines express their continued support for trans women in the light of transphobia that seems to have attracted some conservative and must be said white privileged gay men men and some lesbians. Um, Influenced by gender restrictive interpretations of feminism. Divas editor-in-chief Carrie Lyle said um, that as the magazine continued to champion inclusive feminism, it would use its pages to allow trans women, intersex people women, and non-binary people to engage in a supportive dialogue with lesbians and bi women to the mutual benefit of all. 
Diva also runs Media Watch column, so named for the classic and campaigning column that was run by Terry Sanderson in the Gay Times magazine back in the 80s and 90s. In it, Carrie Lars slams the BBC for giving platforms to people whose only purpose seems to be to de- uh, denigrate the transgender people in an echo of some of the worst homophobic abuse lesbians suffered in the 80s. She quotes Juno Dawson, who reminds people across our communities that during those turbulent times, self-care is paramount and we need to look after each other, regardless of where under the rainbow banner our own identities lie. It is here that programmes like Shout Out can help. Listen to LGBTQ podcasts and on your local community radio station, search online for LGBTQ blogs and audio streaming services. If you have the opportunity to buy a gay or trans magazine, then you are welcome to respite from the stupidity of the British press, which, as Karl Marx noted back in the 19th century, offers free speech only for the rich and the powerful. If you have an independent and progressive bookstore, then they can be a wonderful place to browse. Or if you're a more remote area, then consider having a look at the mail order catalogues from shops like Gaze the Word, News from Nowhere, or one of the many LGBTQ-friendly bookstores around the country. And most of all, check in with each other and look after each other's mental well-being and physical health. And given that we are looking ahead to International Women's Day, you'll permit a small piece of media anoraking as we take a brief look at women's role in this medium that we call radio and podcasting. Indeed, it's particularly significant this year, as in the autumn of 1920, station KDKA began broadcasting a nightly evening schedule of music and speech from Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, this event commonly agreed as the starting point for broadcasting as we know it. Now, radio was a modern and liberal medium for its day, with many performers emerging from the music halls and theatres across the Western world. Popular Communications magazine reports that many women, especially in the less stuffy world of the United States, which adopted a relatively relaxed licensing regimen, made their careers in the exciting new medium. Eunice Randall was an announcer and an accomplished transmitter engineer, and by 1921 she was voicing the world's first children's magazine programme on station 1XE out of Boston. She showed she was just as capable as her male colleagues and climbed the station's transmission tower whenever needed. Judith Waller started a small station called WGU based in a department store and single-handedly kept the operation going. It was this experience that allowed her to be appointed NBC Network's first head of educational broadcasting from 1931. And Marie Zimmerman became the first woman to own her own commercial broadcasting licence with station WIAE in Vinton, Iowa, as early as 1922. The station was operated from her own house with husband Bob, but it was Marie who owned the licence to broadcast. In Europe, broadcasting was more tightly controlled in many countries, but female entrepreneurs were ready to buck the rules and help liberalise the medium. In 1962, a businesswoman called Britt Wadner launched Radio Sud broadcasting from a ship anchored just off the coast of Malmo, beyond the jurisdiction of the Swedish authorities. Her station was a massive hit, and when the combined Scandinavian countries enacted legislation to make life difficult for the pirate stations, Radio Sud continued to operate. On two occasions, Mrs. Wadner was imprisoned for broadcasting, and on both occasions, you'll love this, Steffi, she had a studio built in her prison cell so she could continue making programmes for her operation. In 1965, television began from the ship, 
for a new service called TV Sud. But in severe 19, in 1966, severe pack ice meant that Mrs. Wagner had to move her ship to the more temperate North Sea, where it was hired by the British pirate station Radio Caroline, whose own vessel was in port for repairs after running aground. In 1970, Mrs. Wagner and her daughter Connie were given a license to broadcast legally from the Gambia in West Africa, and Radio Sud lived on in the African sunshine. And finally, incidentally, it was in Italy that the first all-women's radio station in Europe was founded. The leftist government of the mid-70s had deregulated broadcasting across the country, and Radio Donna was one of thousands of local radio stations to come on the air, starting in 1976. The station proved a radical inspiration for many women who heard it, and many of them got involved in both presentation and engineering. For these stories and more, check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For well, Shoutout News, this, this has been, been me and him. <laughs> You're more than welcome. <laughs> Shoutout News, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Don't keep you waiting. Come on, no, that's the name of the song actually. So, hello, how are you? I'm very that's well, her. thank you. Um, no, you, you've been off uh, interview. Sorry, I should say who that was. That's Charlene Spiteri, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, Charlene don't, Spiteri. Don't keep me waiting. So <laughs> Good Scottish um, name, right? It is. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish Italian. So now this is this is a um, 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 your interview. Do you want to do you want to intro it? Um, yes, I can do. It's with Iqbal Tamimi, and we are talking about quite a serious um, subject, uh, linking it in with International Women's Day. Um, it was yeah, she was fantastic to speak with. Um, I don't want to say much more, really. I'll leave it to the interview. Cool. On Sunday, the eighth of March is International Women's Day, which has been celebrated since nineteen oh nine. On March 8, 1917, after women gained suffrage in Soviet Russia, it became a national holiday. It was then predominantly celebrated by the socialist movement and communist countries until it was adapted by the feminist movement in about 1967. The United Nations began celebrating the day in 1975. International Women's Day Online says that it's a global day that celebrates the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women. The day also marks... a call to action for accelerating gender parity. International Women's Day is about unity, celebration, reflection, advocacy and action, whatever that looks like globally and at a local level. But one thing is for sure, International Women's Day has been occurring for well over a century and continues to grow from strength to strength. Women around the world still struggle, especially in the Middle East, and so today I am talking to Iqbal Tamimi. We have been talking a lot about the rights of men and women, but we often forget those who are intersex and stranded in the grey area, especially in communities where there is no openness with this issue. Hello, Iqbal. Hello. (laughs) It's lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. (laughs) So, um, thinking about International Women's Day... And um, the sub that you've done a lot of research into, I was wondering if you could share some of your insights. Well, it's going to go forever if we talk about (laughs) it. But generally speaking, um, there are a group of people who are not identified as men or as women. And those people are still being treated in a way that makes makes them feel isolated Mm -hmm. in the Middle East. Uh, people who need sex corrections, um, surgeries, or uh, 
uh, other issues that is related to identifying their gender. In the Arab or mostly Islamic region, it is difficult to feel isolated mm. and uh, confused or suffer identity loss if you were born with gender-related abnormalities, especially in um, male-dominated societies, maybe totally segregated, like Saudi Arabia, mm. uh, where, where you have uh, hardly spent any time with people from the other gender, other than your own very close family members. It's difficult when the body carries the emotions, desires, and feelings of another gender, while the person is forced to be with or act or behave like individual of another sex, of the other sex. Like they pick on them, for example, they would tell them to man up mm. if they, you know, behave like girls, or they call the girls to, you know, to stop being boyish, mm. you know. This boy bullying happens on every level and uh, causing them psychological stress and suffering because of gender identity disorders. That is met even with uh, specialists with total denial. Even doctors, some doctors, uh, don't believe in these, you know, that this person is suffering. Mm. It's treated differently in different countries. Mm. Those people who are, let's say, uh, in the gray area, who, whose gender is not identified. And this is depend on the understanding of the community, their education, and they are treated, uh, and the outcome of, uh, you know, their suffering is totally different. Uh, if we talk about, for example, uh, Iran, which is in the Middle East, according to their fatwas, it's allowed. If, if, if you are examined and you, want to, you are a transgender, you want to become from the other gender, mm -hmm. even the government would pay for these uh, yeah. surgeries and will help you to get certification by the new name and the new mm -hmm. gender, and everything is corrected. In Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, which, are, which is a Muslim country as well, but it's the different, another different spectrum, it's extremely difficult to change the sex, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't accept any tests done outside the border. It has to be a certain... Uh, kind of test done to make sure 100% that this person's chromosomes are identified as, as this gender before going into uh, doing surgery. One of the cases, uh, five girls from the same family were found to be boys. A very well-known doctor has, uh, you know, operated on them and they changed g their gender to boys, but they had to move from the area to another area because the communities are very difficult, you know, when they are treating these issues. Um, could you talk to me a little bit about the legal aspects surrounding transgender rights? Okay. Uh, transgenderism is banned in Islamic countries of Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Somalia, Mauritania, Yemen, Iran, and United Arab Emirates because it is generally associated with, with homosexuality. Mm -hmm which is punishable with imprisonment, corporal and capital punishments. But sex correction operations are allowed by the law in many countries. Yeah. Um, in Iran, uh, as I said, where sex correction operations are seven times as much as in European countries, seven times more, mm -hmm. uh, the cost of surgeries are covered by the state 
There seems to be a stark contrast in, in power with the gender divide. So you've got the, the power of men seems to be enormous, whereas the, women's rights and, and what women are able to do is, in, is incredibly small comparatively. If, 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 if uh, I would like, for example, to make a, you know, an example, if you are two homosexual persons wants to live together in Saudi Arabia, it's very easy to, to take a plane and, uh, and just fly away. If you are two girls, it's difficult because you yes. need to have a guardian who goes with you or allows you to, to travel. So you will be more of a prisoner for, you know, accept wherever you are. At the moment, there are lots of changes these days in Saudi Arabia. They are trying to convince the Americans that we are, you know, becoming more... Uh, let's say, um, civilized. Yeah. And we, but it's for political reasons. The things inside the, the society, mm. the, you know, for women are still mm. the same. Well, men are allowed to make decisions on their own. Exactly. And, and when they want to make those decisions, there's nobody sort of saying yes or no. But for women, obviously, that's, it's the opposite. Yes. But, for example, it depends on the community. For example, Lebanon is the only country maybe in the Arab region that you can see people... Uh, on TV, who are uh, transgender, mm -hmm. who dress different, who are uh, controversial, and they talk about it. There is no punishment for these things, even though some people might, you know, uh, find it uh, unacceptable. But the fact that Lebanon is small and it has something like 18 different religions in this small area, people are... Um, not focusing much uh, about the gender issues. Mm. I mean, they are not fighting them. And there are, you can go online and, unfortunately, everything available is online in Arabic. Mm. The gap in translation makes this area unknown by the Western society. They don't know anything about it. Uh, there are interesting issues. For, for example, I, I've talked to you earlier about the what they call it, the uh, circumcision of girls or yeah. the mutilation. Yeah. There is an area in Egypt where there is a large percentage of un uh, babies born with unidentified uh, uh, genitalia. Yeah. Intersex people. Yes. So what they do is if you are born that way, it's very easy for them to consider that baby a girl and raise that b person as a girl. But what they do is they circumcise that baby, they think that this little lump is a clitoris and it's gonna, um, you know, um, make this little girl when she grows up a prostitute or somebody who's craving for sex and they don't want this for other reasons. So what they do is they chop part of the body of this little baby. What happens next is this little baby becomes a teenager developing facial hair mm -hmm. and a stronger male voice and start to have uh, feelings of attraction to girls. And uh, during my research, I found the doctors who are specialized in this uh, microscopic uh, kind of uh, surgeries say, in most cases, it was a, a penis buried inside the body. So they cut part of the body that makes this person in a small, if they left this baby to grow until, uh, you know, they yeah. can examine this baby very well, in a small procedure, this boy can live a normal life. Yeah. And they're taking that away they from the They took it, yes, they? of course. Uh, the focus is on 
they have this link between uh, the clitoris means craving for sex yeah. and it means being a loose woman uh, or becoming a prostitute yeah. and the odd thing is most prostitutes especially in the African area underwent this kind of surgery they don't feel anything mm. I mean it, it's, it contradicts what they believe in yeah. those people are uh, especially in some areas of Egypt or Ethiopia those work in prostitution because they are poor it's not they are not looking for joy they are not looking for yeah, pleasure so their argument is invalid it's invalid ab- absolutely it's invalid absolutely yeah. so people who are born into sex and are brought up as female who then realize you know through going through puberty or maybe even earlier that they are actually male are you, is it right that um, i'm understanding that they're being prevented from transitioning into their into their real um, it's true but, sex usually because. usually by the family yeah because imagine you are you look like a boy you yeah. can go out yeah you can work out outside home you can pursue your education you can enjoy parties you can drive fast cars yeah. everything start a bank account anything you could think of the freedom is endless mm-hmm. And if you are a girl and you are told to stay inside, not to be to see other, you know, males or go, you are always sheltered under, you know, uh, say they they tell you that the parents or the family that it's for your own good because girls are weak, they are not protected, and it is uh, it is a horrible kind of. Uh, Situation. It's a stark inequality, isn't it? And and the the things that the lengths that people are going to 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 keep the division of gender seems seems quite quite incredible. Um, we've run out of time. It's been incredibly interesting um, talking with you today, um, and it's obviously a subject that could be talked about forever. Thank you, and oh, I look forward to speaking you. with you again. Thank you very much, and I I would like to apologize for my broken English because I can't find the expressions that I'm looking no, for. No, never apologize. I think I think everybody listening will just appreciate listening to somebody who has a vast knowledge on, on a very interesting and sensitive subject that should be more widely spoken about. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, that's shy. Another Bond one. Another one of your favourites. Oh, sorry. Let me turn you Very on. Middle East. Sorry, you tu- you <laughs> turn me on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so. Okay, husband. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Honest. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Carl, if you're listening. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to uh, head straight over and catch up with the team uh, Kiki. This this is our, our very own Laura, isn't it? Yep. This is Laura, isn't yep. it? So. your girl Lara and I'm here from Kiki and it's our monthly podcast I know you guys are so excited to hear about this so 
Last week we had one of our best events yet, um, Kiki. We did it with RWA and it was, just explain what it was, we had um, a panel with Travis Alabans. If you don't know who they are, look them up. They are amazing. We had Lady Phil who was amazing as well so eloquent and uh, we had Josh Rivers who was from Busy Being Black if you heard of that podcast if you haven't heard of it go and listen to it now it's great um, so these three people um, along with Miles who was um, part of Kiki was on a panel and they were really discussing about black queerness and what that meant to us and what it is to be black and proud and queer and proud um, and within spaces where so we can create a sense of community. So I'm here with Dami, who actually came to the event. Hey. And we know that it's International Women's Day on Sunday, and we're really excited about that. And we kind of wanted to talk about how events such as these have really, really a big impact on how we feel as black queer women um i want to share that with our black community and our white allies so dami yes. how are you i am good thank you thank so you so how you went to the event um yes, just I tell did. me a little about how you felt about it and um if as a black queer woman has anything changed since that event or have you like thought about anything like what has kind of been it for you i think what was such a highlight for me was just you know I think what's been really difficult for me to see throughout my like black queer journey is, you know, older black queer people, especially women, um, obviously not having that role model, you know, myself yeah, with my strict need, Christian yeah, upbringing. Yeah, it's, Catholic upbringing. Yeah, yeah like, I feel that. <laughs> you just don't. There's no what. There's no older women or aunties or Nothing. whatever, or you know, even non-binary people to speak. I to. didn't even know what gay meant. Like for a long time, oh. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, no, and so it's just like, you know, you go to these. Events Events and then you see people from all different ages and stuff. And obviously you have incredible people like Lady Phil who just have such a warm and mothering energy that I think a lot of us as, you know, queer women and, you know, queer people just don't really have growing up. Mm. And so, yeah, it... Yeah, it was just a very lovely queer mothering experience. It was warm. It, was, it felt like such a wholesome experience that even though I was part organizer and I was doing a provocation which I was so nervous about um, it was great thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah like I just felt that like there's certain things I heard that I've been wanting to hear for such a long time um and it wasn't just all about standing up and being counted like you can sit down but also as an ally it's about like putting us on platforms that we can use mm. for ourselves yeah. um and I think that the idea around self-care, which is something we've talked about mm -hmm. in these podcasts before, but self-care is such an important thing, and particularly healing. So did you kind of feel that, like the whole healing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, those aspects definitely hit me hard. I think, you know, sort of back to the idea of, like, mothering, at, you know, as queer people, sometimes we don't really, because of our strange relationships to, you know, be it, you know, the women in our lives, yeah. parents, whatever, we don't always get this level of self-care that we need mm. and we don't always have people that we can rely on for that i mean that it, love us for us exactly. and not for the, what they wanted their children to be exactly kind of like just yeah. very authentic like non-transactional mm, love yeah and um you know you just really felt that in the room and it just had me thinking about you know how do i you know not only take care of myself but how do i encourage other queer people to take care of themselves like how can we have a community in which we're all looking out for each other but you know simultaneously trying to build up our own 
you know, self-worth and, mm. you know, self-care. So how do you that. think we can? Because now, in light of International Women's Day, is a better time than ever to not... Yes, like, Women X aren't the only people within the queer community, but just particularly pertaining to us, like, how... Or how... Where would you want to see it going in terms of in Bristol? Um, the support that you're getting, the community that you want to build, where do you kind of want to see it? Ooh... That is such a hard one. Isn't it, Just? I mean, I guess it's just... In, I mean, I guess we have a lot of, like, social um, events, which is great. But I think what would probably be great to see, and especially for, like, you know, both the younger and older community would be just opportunities that, you know, are outside of the, like, so social natural drinking. social... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, things just like, hey, here's so-and-so's number, yeah. they're yeah, here to yeah, talk. Yeah. You know, just things like that. Connectors. Like, exactly. Yeah, because it's all about building that community amongst us. And I think community is such a word that gets banded around quite a lot, but it's so often forgotten and how... Yeah valued you feel mm-hmm. um we all feel stuff in relation to other humans like we're not you don't exist in isolation so it's one of those things where you i've felt not when i haven't had a community when you feel isolated and you feel like that you're going insane because you feel like you're the only one yeah. um but yeah like doing events like this is something i know that we've got to push forward on because non-drinking and social events where people can show their art and show their oh, yeah, their sure. whole selves and actually like i was um i've never so i used to stutter and stumble over my words like i used to oh, really? yeah, yeah i couldn't read anything and um this is the first time i've ever read to a crowd in a creative space oh, doing wow. anything like kind of poetry and i think what made it amazing was that linda who um is a part of Kiki really strongly encouraged me to do it and was an amazing support to me yeah. she just believed in me mm. and it wasn't until then I realised I needed like an auntie to like yeah. believe in me as a queer person not just yeah. believe in me as Lara yeah. um, so yeah no I, I love that support that we got um, mm-hmm. and I met you like yeah. we, uh, <laughs> like one of the most amazing things is that I've been now connected with you and yeah, so many sure. other people and we are forming that community mm-hmm. um, so I'd like to say that if anyone would like to be part of the cutie pop community and is feeling ostracized or doesn't feel like they're a part of anything hit up kiki at bristol yes. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram and what that will do we'll provide you with people to talk to um, we'll always have a listening ear if you want to put on an event with us let us know um, we are busy but we're never too busy for our people and the, our allies um, and a good thing one thing they said about allies was the fact that like it's about platform right yeah it's about providing that platform that others need and we won't necessarily have the door to open for us so mm-hmm. to be a good ally to be i've said multiple times to be um a supporter of our, the cutie pot community you do need to, it's an active role um and i'll continue to say that until my dying day um but we love bcfm we love all the supporters that shout out and everything and we want to continue doing this podcast so yeah we love you all thank you all for everything happy international women's day Yay. that's geeky bye Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Well, now I quite like this one. Oh, I. Uh, this is the life. 
It is. By Steph. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Amy McDonald. You're living it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, someone knows the words then. This is about Pete Doherty. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh. But by Amy McDonald. Well, that was a conversation killer, wasn't it? I was just wondering. I didn't realise. I I was just listening to the music. I've seen her live. She's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, very, very talented. Brilliant performer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As an aside, it's um, LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering week this week. Um, Ends on... Um, International Women's Day actually the right. 8th of March um, CCS will be supporting it by holding an information evening, evening on the 5th of March so that is CCS tonight tonight what's CCS short for? Um, I don't know oh. it's an adoption um, service that uh, works with the council Oh yeah, there's several, there's um, several private ones. We've had isn't them, there, as yeah. Well we've as had the, them yeah. on the show actually. Yeah, we have. Um, it's just they couldn't make it this time. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, it's, um, it's really good because it's such a myth that if you're LGBT plus, you can't adopt. Absolutely. And 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 there was a, there was a time when it was you know had so much stigma behind it, you couldn't. Now it's very. Uh, but prone. now they're they're really really keen for absolutely um, yeah. LGBT people to to adopt. Can I just give the website of so course. people yeah. can get involved because yeah. it is going on to the eighth. Um, it's uh, CCS adoption. One word, uh, dot org. So CCS cool. adoption, one word, dot org. Um, if you're interested, and they're really keen on getting same-sex couples to adopt because um, they found out the studies are showing that the kids grow up quite stable. Are you sure? Because I've heard that um, lesbian parents you're the children lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> She's winding you up, listeners. She's winding you up. Of course no, I am. It, absolutely. No, I mean, all, all the studies... that's the sort of nonsense I grew up hearing, you know, I that did. lesbian parents turn their children lesbian, yeah. gay parents turn it's their so children gay. And well, well, and even if it was, so what? That was what exactly. I would say. Yeah, but you're you're living story. proof if you can just turn out weird full stop on you. <laughs> <laughs> queer as queer can be. Look at the, look at the birdcage with Robin Williams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They brought up a son together, the drag Queen and and, and Robin. Yeah. Well, that, and he that is fictional, to be- mind. <gasps> Don't say that. No. <laughs> oh my God. I'm hideous. All, all the yes. evidence <laughs> tends to suggest that children of same-sex parents do very, very well. Yeah. And in some cases, and there's some studies that suggest they may actually do slightly better academically mm. yeah. from some studies in the States. I mean, can I know, just say, um, coming up, um, we've been keeping um, tabs on little Harriet since um, Harriet was in the yes. room of Sam and Shan. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that sounds like she grew up in both wombs, but it was Sam who carried Anyway, um, I'll be interviewing and getting the latest now um, Harriet's grown up and going to school. And I promise it won't be graphic like you've just made that It's a bit like... Um, <laughs> it wasn't a, graphic. It wasn't graphic. <laughs> From the Sorry. world to school. You old people are all the same. It's, 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 it's our version of 7-Up, isn't it? That programme. 7-Up? Well, it's a... Fo- remember that programme? It follows people every seven years yes. on ITV. Oh, yeah, right. only we do it every six months. Oh, yeah. And there was one on Channel 4 when it started called Citizen 2000, if you remember. Yeah. Oh. All the people that were going to... Yeah. In fact, the BBC have been following them as well, because whenever they know I've interviewed them, oh, they, they always tweet. ask. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a good story, because... Brilliant. Um, Shan is very Bristolian. Mm-hmm. Very Bristolian. And in fact, they were a bit worried that Harriet might pick up some Bristolian. Speaking of which... Nothing wrong with a bit of Bristolian. No, there's not... But, well, unless you want to get on the BBC. Uh, or your name's Steve Marchant. Um, okay. Voices. Steve, yeah. Steve, oh, okay, International Women's Day. So <laughs> you got like 10 seconds for this one. Okay. Trans women. 
Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Voices transmit yeah. women to be explored further. Okay. To be explored further. <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter, people. Well, not right now, but no. it does matter. Yes, yeah. um, we're we're talk about that another time. Yeah, good indeed. subject. Good Sorry. subject. Uh, anyway, that is it. It is the end of the show. Sorry, Steph. <laughs> Complete finish, Benito. Well, until next week when we chat to artist, author, and playwright Robert Kyle. Uh, you'll present to us tonight with a lovely Steph. Um, no, it wasn't Steph. It was Hans. Sorry, that was because Steph was originally. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Um, and myself, uh, Andy Shilton, it was produced by Steph, uh, all made here at the BCFM studios in Bristol. Check out shoutoutradio.lgbt for our podcast versions of the show. Thanks for listening. Take care. Uh, from myself for the rest of the team, though, say bye, everyone. Yes, Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.